Now, <laughs> very volatile golfer. Now, having said that, how did I shoot the best round of my life? What was I thinking? What was I going through? Well, what had happened was... Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of The Process with Nikki Chin. If you have stumbled into this corner of the wicked World Wide Web, uh, welcome. You're in a place where we explore ideas, stories, memories, practices, habits, things uh, that we, we do on a daily and consistent basis that ideally help us become the best version of ourselves and realize more of our potential. The goal of each and every day is, of course, to feel as if by the end of the day, you're well spent, you left it out all on the table, and you left no questions unanswered. Well, how do we do that? I mean, shit, don't look to me for the answers. But I I feel as if I've experienced and come across uh, some unique enough situations, actually, maybe not unique enough, common enough, (laughs) the exact opposite of unique, common enough experiences that... I feel as if your your everyday layperson uh, actually comes across and experiences, but we actually don't speak about and communicate it enough. So, and of course, opening up my life and being a little more vulnerable or sharing my thoughts and ideas, of course, uh, I encourage anybody tuning in to, to do the same. Uh, if not with me, somebody you love. Uh, why? I've found at least selfishly that uh, in being a little more vulnerable and opening up uh, my worldview and my thoughts and my experience. It's allowed me to connect with people as a whole in a much better facet and way uh, and from a professional standpoint to an intimate and personal standpoint. I feel as if at the end of it all, it, it really does just come down to communication and communication is a two-way street. And in that two-way street, somebody's got to go first. Uh, I encourage you all to be that first one. Put yourself out there and you'll never know what will come back in in return. So having said all that, uh, this is a topic that come across or at least has been popping up in my head a little more recently. It's it's the one of imposter syndrome. I've I've obviously, and I'm sure you have as well, heard about it. Maybe you have even experienced it yourself. Uh, more recently, larger life changes and taking on more responsibility and engaging in different we'll call it paths of my life. I don't know. I'm 28 years old and I'm just expanding and maturing, if you will. So I'm coming across new experiences, new opportunities, new responsibilities where sometimes I feel a little bit like a fraud. So uh, I, I figured it'd be worthwhile exploring what imposter syndrome is, at least from my perspective. Uh, and in exploring this, I feel as if maybe I might better understand who I am why I think the way I do, why I act the way that I do, and and ideally curb maybe bad habits or or unproductive uh, habits, but and then in the same vein to really focus my attention on things that I actually feel do help mitigate some of the effects of imposter syndrome, if you will. So I guess to start to to lay lay the land, if you will. Uh, it'll make sense to maybe document or outline a little bit of my story. If you're if you're new here, or if you're not new here, I apologize for the redundancies. You might know some of this, but I think it'll give some good context to maybe some of my, my key takeaways or failures from imposter syndrome, if you will. So 
Oh boy, I really need to work on that, if you will, and my ums. Well, I'll tell you one thing. One thing about podcasting, which has been fun, is it's a good mirror to, to really pick up your your ticks, your habits, the the filler words, and all of that that you uh, you have in communication. So, of course, all feedback is good feedback. Nevertheless, battle of imposter syndrome, loose definition as uh, is, is taken from Merriam-Webster: doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. That can obviously have many different applications. Uh, based on that definition, I, I found or stumbled across an infograph just before this that really, I think, summarized how imposter syndrome comes to be. Where starts out, you have a new task, new task, new challenge, new opportunity, new responsibility, new X, newness. That is felt immediately with some semblance of anxiety. I mean, not with from a negative connotation, just forward looking and, and forward looking and looking ahead of what that new task and opportunity may be. Potentially you procrastinate, potentially over prepare, potentially you do just the right amount, but irrespective of it, it's getting ahead of what that new task might be and starting to put in the work and discipline to to achieve whatever it is. I mean, once you get through that step, ideally you follow through on the task. That leads to project completion. You get a, a pat on the back. You get a brief sense of accomplishment, followed by, and I, I, has, I emphasize the brief because I think that's a, a key tenet of imposter syndrome is the, the, the fleeting nature of some of these emotions, especially the positive ones in imposter syndrome that really doesn't help in the long run. But I digress. Project completion, brief sense of accomplishment, uh, then that feeling of, I was lucky wasn't necessarily because of my merit or my credit why this was accomplished. I don't know, diminishing a little bit of your efforts uh, in this in the sake of trying to trying to understand what happened and not taking full ownership or credibility for how and what happened. Once you feel lucky, uh, you you move on to obviously feeling like a fraud. And last but not certainly not least, I mean it's a cycle. So another task or opportunity presents itself. I mean, you you just complete another task. And of course, as you are a productive individual, people reward productivity with ideally, hey, I'd love to see more of that. What are you capable of? Now, that folds really well. And I, I can see why salespeople as a whole struggle with imposter syndrome. That's the cyclical nature of our profession as a whole. I mean, you you're chasing a target month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year put in a lot of work, uh, gritty work at that. You sometimes, I mean, it's the highest of highs and lowest of lows. In putting in those inputs, oftentimes you actually don't see the end result right up until the last few days. Maybe you hit your target, maybe you don't, but irrespective, you get a, a quick avenue or a quick window of feedback for October 31st or November 30th or whatever month end and immediately i mean day 1 the new month starts you're back to square one and back to to zero so uh the brief feeling of uh either positivity or negative negativity based on the the outcome of that project uh, it really is not a miss in in the world of sales so it's naturally it makes sense some reflecting on this and i'm i'm glad i am now that i think about it more so that would we could say is imposter syndrome now in laying the land of how I got to my, I guess, experience of imposter syndrome, 
I'll document my thoughts or not my, my, my story rather of how I ended up where I am. If we go back to high school, leaving high school, immigrant family, I'm supposed to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Naturally, all roads lead to tech sales. So I disappointed my folk. I did not. I think they're proud of me. But shortly after graduating and finishing my, my undergrad degree, I did a master's in international business, international management. And that could actually be part of the, the, the start of imposter syndrome. In that, I mean, my original goal an outcome, ideal outcome, the, the path that I had laid forth from my head was I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon by the time I'm 27. Well, here we are at 28 and I don't think you want me operating on your brain, but that was my intention. And it didn't pan out. I struggled in one section of the MCAT, didn't have the most, the, the strongest of applications and had a backup plan, business school, something I, 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 truly stumbled into. I actually did not set out the plan nor intention to, to even go to business school. It was much more a happenstance, right place, right time opportunity that, that led me into, I, I'll say confidently, actually one of the better business schools in Canada. But that's part of it, right? I, I had the intention or thought of going to be a, a doctor. I feel as if I stumbled through university and through the application process for this this new university. And I struggled to give myself credit. I struggled to give myself credit on, on why I was able to get into a master's business degree w- without much concern. We'll come back to that, right? In, in graduating my, my master's degree now, I get my first job slinging photocopiers, not because of my merit, but because of who I knew and some of the networking I did. Uh, and it got me in the door with first job slinging photocopiers, not on my merit. At least I don't think this is based off of my networks and people extending favors and extending uh, gifts, if you will, to me. Shortly after that, after doing photocopiers and slinging photocopiers for a year, I, I stumble into an opportunity. I take that back. This is the first opportunity where I, I believe I actively feel, or at least in, in, in reflecting on it, I feel as if I actively make the decision I actively make the jump to say, hey, no, this is what I want to dedicate some of my life story to. Uh, And that was my first experience in a startup. That was my first experience at a startup. And uh, that experience is actually, I would say, where the imposter syndrome, albeit the first place I really set the intention and I put my mind towards, hey, I'm going to go pursue that. That's really where the, the imposter syndrome started to catalyze itself. How and why? I mean, I, I'm now in a, a position and in a role where my skill sets are matched to my experience and my skill sets are matched to the, the demand and the needs of the, the business. Uh, and we really kick it and take it off of the ground. From there, had a whole slew of different jobs and careers since. But we'll say that's where the imposter syndrome starts. And, and the battle of the imposter syndrome, again, doubting your abilities and feeling like you're a fraud. So I step into this startup and it's the first time in which I'm given, again, tasks and responsibilities that match to my experience and my skill set. But all the way up until here, I have this glaring feeling of I got lucky, right place, right time. I stumbled through it all and, and would you have it? Here I am. And now I have this, this great big opportunity in front of me. And how do I feel about that? How I feel about that now, looking at is what maybe four or five years ago, 
I feel as if it's somewhat naive because hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back and seeing some of the successes and the failures, rightfully so, of, of that experience. I see my direct impact and my direct influence to it. It's so hard though, because I, see, I, can, I can see myself giving myself some credence and giving myself some credit from this experience way back when an imposter syndrome. But another reason why I'm even here speaking about imposter syndrome is this happened last week where my boss was trying to give me a compliment. She was trying to uh, give me credit and kudos on, on some of the work I've been doing recently. I don't know. <laughs> Long and short, she just commented saying, Nick, you've really struggled with taking a compliment, it seems. Where does that come from? I guess there, here we are, right? It makes me uncomfortable because... I feel as if sometimes if you if you if you accept it, if you say thank you or you take the credit, you can maybe get a little bit comfortable. You can forget about the hard work and what it took to actually get to to where you are. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that makes me feel so uncomfortable. But I I, I share this. I don't think you should follow my suit. I think it's a horrible habit. I don't think it it actually helps me. It's 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 a character flaw, if you will. Where if, if people are complimenting you, if people are giving you credit, uh, there's a reason for it. I mean, outside looking in, they can be a little more objective than your individual experience and your experience. I mean, you can be your own biggest credit. Nevertheless, that's the context. That's how I've ended up to where I am and why we're even speaking about imposter syndrome. In looking at the problem or the the challenge of, of this, I figure, well, I can't just present problems. You have to present at least some semblance of a solution. Some of the things that I feel as feel have worked or could potentially work. One of the first ones in this, I, I fold to or, contri- or attribute. Yeah, I attribute this, this tactic to, to really, again, the sales profession and all of what I've been able to experience. It's so hard to explain, but I think more often than not, we we should we should trust our gut. We should be instinctive. And this is coming from somebody who is, I mean, I, I like to look at the numbers and the data. I like to really see the rules of the game before making a subjective or qualitative decision. But holy shit, there's something about your gut. I mean, even when it comes to sales, we have a, we commonly have like a little indicator, a little checkbox on on potential deals we're working on. We're like, hey, do you think this deal will close? And it's eerie, but salespeople's guts, people's get guts as a whole. There's something to it. Typically, some of the deals that we're working on will close at a higher rate if we bet on it. If we have a, a gut instinct that like, hey, this one feels right. There's something about this one where... I feel like it'll make sense. And how does trusting your gut roll into or fall back to imposter syndrome? Well, part of it is just having what I said, one of the, the, the steps of imposter syndrome is you feeling lucky somebody else in that role could have done better, feeling a little bit like a fraud. In trusting your gut, I mean, you are one individual and you have your gut but it helps it helps to make your experience and your decision feel more authentic and more you. And as an example, I had a tough decision at work to make recently. Uh, I had a clear gut feeling of like, yeah, we need to go this way. 
But all other signs pointed another direction. But my gut, my feeling, my instinct of like, hey, what should we do? Pointed in one direction. And this wasn't just me, actually, as a matter of fact. Looked to my peers for like, hey, here's the challenge. Here's the situation. What do you think we should do? Look to to my girlfriend, look to some of my friends. I said, hey, here are my challenges. What do you think should do? Some gave their opinions. Some just encouraged me to, to look deeper and look at the mirror. And I'll, I'll credit this one to my girlfriend. I actually said, hey, Nikki, you should write down your thoughts. Write down pros and cons. Write down your gut and all of your feelings and emotions for each respective path. And maybe flip a couple scenarios. And just in going through that process and writing down my thoughts, including my biases, looking at a piece of paper that's full of objective data as well as subjective gut and instinct, I found the story. I found the narrative I was looking for. I found the meaning of like, hey, this is this is my gut. This is the clear path forward. This is the decision I'm looking for. This sounds so damn hippy dippy. Get the hell out of here, Nikki. I don't know, man. There really is something to your gut. I say that as part of imposter syndrome, feeling like you've stumbled into some of your opportunities. You've kind of stumbled your way to get access to these different tasks or responsibilities. And now you're burdened with them or given the the grace to, to take on these opportunities. You got there. I mean, at the end of the day, it was your motherfucking gut that got there. Why doubt it now? And it's just so hard because it's so temporal, right? It's like in the moment, you're critical, you're negative, you're cynical in nature. You you second guess your gut all the dang time. But in the same breath and in the same vein, that gut is also what got you into that position in the first place. So it's like this, this ever-ending chicken for the egg loop where – you never know, is it you? Is it the environment and the external? Is it chance? Is it luck? Is It, it could be all of these things, but I think at the end of it all, you, you do have to put an emphasis on your contributions and your responsibility. In the same way that you take on responsibility to get access to more opportunities, you got to take responsibility in uh, accepting compliments and accepting the, the value of your work and the inputs that you gave in to, to get a specific outcome. Trust your gut. There's something to it. It really is. And this is me projecting maybe some of my desires and wants. So ideally, I start to trust my gut a little bit more as well. Um, and not second guess the, the one thing that actually got me here in the same way. I mean, I alluded to it a little bit, but the other the other tactic or the hack, if you will, that has helped my combating or battling imposter syndrome is, is invest in your peers and collaborate with your peers. What do I mean by that? More often than not, we're, we're facing challenges, problems in our daily lives that don't just involve us. I mean, there are some personal intimate decisions, yes, but there's often things that are implicating other people. And if you involve them in the decision-making process, in the project, in just the conversation as a whole, when you're then getting feedback at the end of the task, at the end of completion, well, that's one thing, A, you get feedback from your peers, but B, when you're getting that feedback, it's now a little bit more rooted in reality. It's pragmatic feedback. Not as It's not feedback from hearsay where you're saying like, hey, here's what happened. 
here's the outcome of that plan and that anxiety that I was feeling and that preparation that I did. What do you think? Well, in you recapping and retelling that story and you have imposter syndrome, you're going to be biasing that story. You're going to be saying things like, yeah, I felt as if I kind of just stumbled through the opportunity and I just got lucky and happenstance. So the person giving you feedback, they're just going to double down or maybe not double down. Maybe they'll be a good friend and try and soften up, but they're not going to be honest and they're not going to be able to give you an objective third-party view. Now, involve somebody in the process from the jump. Uh, I mean, collaborate with peers, be more than just yourself. And you never know, you might get lucky in so far as that person is giving you feedback was there, was going through the shit with you and is now able to better say, hey, Nick, you know, you're full of shit. You actually did do that. And that failure is fully your fault or the inverse that that success is is fully because of your inputs. I struggled with that. So so it's it's funny. I struggle with the the imposter syndrome, the getting feedback, the taking compliments, all of that. But I love collaborating with people. I I mean, I don't I don't shut up here. You are listening to a podcast where I talk to myself, but I I I really enjoy teamwork. I really enjoy and that's to me the most fulfilling thing about work is being able to work with people beyond just me. I look to others for uh, ideas and inspiration and creativity and, and all of these things that I really get a lot of value and I get a lot in my personal life by working with others. And it's only now in, in even going through this experience of recanting my, my imposter syndrome and trying to analyze it and trying to look at my life objectively and just trying to see the paper trail that I can start to have a little bit more appreciation for my role in my my successes and my failures to to humbly brag a little bit or to be able to take credit for some of the sex successes I've had in my professional career uh, some of the things that are most meaningful to me not some of the things there's there there's some words where my old teammates my old sales reps gave me candid feedback of like hey what did you think of me as a manager or we do like skip level feedback where like I'd, I'd leave the room and I'd get them to all collaborate and put an anonymous feedback. Irrespective, it's getting feedback from the people that I worked with closely. Maybe even hearing it from my boss more recently that I just can't accept. I see I did have an impact. I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. No, I don't think it. I'm trying to figure out wh- what it is I do with it, but it's it's there. It's definitely a part of me. It wouldn't exist if if my contributions weren't there. It helps mitigate that, not negative feedback. It helps mitigate the potential of me not giving myself credit or just like eliminating myself from the scenario. How and why, again, those people were there. They were in the shits with me. They saw it happen firsthand. Similar to why, like, I'll always fucking respect those guys that were, and gals, those guys and gals that were slinging photocopiers with me uh, six years ago or whatever it was. That was just seeing all of the failures and all of the humble beginnings and all of the tough times of, like, building up a, a career, we'll say, from people that were going through it. So, I, yeah, that's so funny because I don't see any imposter syndrome with any of my 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 xerox folk why i don't know it was just such a dark and rough experience that in the same like you look at negative events and maybe a little more positive light and then all these positive events in a more negative fashion but i i only have the utmost and the highest of of praise for those peers that i worked with that i was able to collaborate and 
go through it with. And when we talk about and recant the days of, hey, what was walking through the streets of Toronto trying to sell MFPs as they're called? Uh, what did that look like? We we can all sing each other's highest highest of praises. But yeah, uh, as a whole, I would say whether it be super positive or super negative, invest in your peers and collaborate. It'll help. It'll help your understanding of what actually happens, so that you're not just relying on your shitty bias memory to figure out figure it out. Last but not then, now I'm ex- I'm most excited for this one because this one is golf inspired. <laughs> But this one, I don't know, this is a, a, an interesting take for me because I feel as if it's, it's bringing in a lot of different lessons and heuri- not heuristics, but lessons and words of wisdom that have meant a lot to me recently into the context of imposter syndrome, something I'm, I'm more recently struggling with. And that hack, that tactic is is just the the importance of visualization seems so bear with me all right let's 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 walk baby let's walk <laughs> we gotta get there well visualization can you see something and when you see that thing can you aim towards it uh and strive for it so what is that well first let's give you the the the, the swing analysis to see how we got there now I got to brag because it's golf and I <laughs> hate me. I shot the best round of my life a couple weeks ago. And, and I mean, okay, for context, I'm not a fantastic golfer. I play a lot. I'm co- not consistent. I'm dedicated. I'm a dedicated golfer, but I am very volatile. I experienced the highest of highs as I also experienced the lowest of lows. In golf, golf is life. You will experience that in all facets and aspects. Now, very volatile golfer. Now, having said that, how did I shoot the best round of my life? What was I thinking? What was I going through? Well, what had happened was I stumbled into this golf round for starters. I mean, I didn't plan in advance, and I typically do. I try and book my tee time, but kind of showed up day of and my old man is like hey you want to go play around a quick one and have any plans okay sure why not let's do it and i go into this round and there are so many things that you can think of in golf and i think of them all all the time at the wrong times you should be thinking of your backswing your tempo your grip your stance your address your your club selection where the miss course manage all these different things you could be thinking of the one thing that i found and this 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 adage might be might be the word i was looking for earlier is is something that translates really well to all other aspects of life there was a a a famous golf instructor one of his main lessons was and it's, it's harvey penick and it was take dead aim when you see a target when you're aiming for and looking at a specific shot Take dead aim at that bitch. Take dead aim and give it your all to hit that target. I mean, in the context of golf, you could see that's pretty pretty easy. Well, theoretically. <laughs> Where you see the target, you see the flag stick, or you see the fairway. All right, I just got to go back and swing through and hit the ball to that target. And when I tell you, 
I had maybe two slip ups that day and it was, oh man, I'm going to recant that. I can, I can play, give you the exact shot by shot. I, I specifically remember just like visualizing and seeing the shot all day of like, Hey, I want to play this. This is what I'm thinking. This is what the shot will look like. And then I go back and I, I try and execute it. I, I see it as like the most, the, the closest and purest thing to setting an intention and then manifesting that. That is taking dead aim. That is seeing the shot. That is the importance of visualization. It's, hey, I see a path forward. I see a potential tunnel or journey I want to go on. How do I get there? Well, I don't know, but I'm just going to keep looking at that and it's going to start to unfold. And, oh, dude, that's fall, that's fallen in so many things in my life. I also, I mean, I've shared, a, I love running. And in in running, one of the things that I also might struggle with, not might, that I struggle with is, say I'm going on a longer run, I'm huffing and puffing, boy, I'm breathing heavy and I'm struggling. Well, I find that when I look down, I'm just going to focus on like one foot, one foot, one foot, and just like kind of the, the two steps in front of me. And I'll tell you, sometimes I get a little bit anxious because I'm just like, holy shit, this is never ending. I'm so far and I'm just kind of looking down at what's in front of me. I, I notice that when I almost sometimes even force myself to look ahead, look at the target, look at, hey, I'm going to run to that stop sign. Just not as hard as I can, but I'm going to keep a, a pace that I'm, I'm comfortable with, that I like, that I feel good about, and I'm going to get to that stop sign. And then I get to that stop sign, and then my eyes shift to like the next target. I'm like, all right, what about this tree? Boom, get to the tree. And what about, the, and what about, and what about, and the point is, is that I, I see my eyes just like directing and guiding myself to wherever I'm going. Visualization, be the ball, see the shot, see where you want to go, look at the target. All of these things, all of these things somehow fall back to imposter syndrome and bear with me because I'm going to get there. But it's, I, I find it fascinating because again, it seems so fickle and so fleeting and so fugazi to be like, all right, this is how you can achieve some of your goals. But there's a reason that sports performance coaches, psychologists, all the top athletes, they visualize, they spend time and they will dedicate hours trying to understand what's going to happen if you look if you've seen a need for not need for speed netflix's drive to survive you'll see some of those drivers or athletes where their training part of their training is like sitting in a chair closing their eyes and just visualizing and memorizing what the the track is and they're just seeing this is how i'm going to perform this is how i'm going to react this is my responsiveness to this scenario same for athletes prepping for a game or fighters watching back tape and seeing like, how's this going to play out? Why shouldn't we do that? Why do we reserve those things for the, the elite of the elite? I think your everyday person should be visualizing, trying to set an intention for something and then manifest that bitch. Why? Because we're all struggling from imposter syndrome. And if you feel, if you feel like a fraud, if you feel like it wasn't because of you, if you feel like, you got lucky. You stumbled into an opportunity. One of the ways that you can help mitigate those feelings and give yourself more confidence and certainty is to visualize and take aim at something as small or as large as it may be. As an example, I'm, I'm right now crafting and 
yeah, drafting up, sorry, not crafting, drafting up a, a plan of, of action for like how to grow uh, the sales team at my role in organization. In drafting out the plan, I'm I'm putting out targets, I'm putting out objectives, I'm putting out, hey, this is the tree that I want to aim at uh, for one year from now. Well, what are the small pieces? What are the smaller steps that I need to take to get there? Now, when I get there, either in a superstar fashion and I blow past them, or I, I barely get there and I struggle to, be it a success or a failure in this context, I feel a little bit more confident taking ownership and responsibility for, hey, it's because of me and my uh, inputs that result in these outputs. There's nobody else to blame and there's nobody else to, to take credit or give credit to, if you will. And in that journey, I mean, I've collaborated, I've asked my peers, I've, I've invested in my peers in kind, I've written down the plan, and I'm making decisions a little bit on my gut. But the point is, is now that I've visualized and planned out, this is what I want to do, and now I'm going to go strive and get it so that now looking back when that time comes, I'll be able to more see a paper trail because of the actions and the words that I used and took. Now, this is all fine, Danny, but I'll tell you, this is also not the full story. I also struggle tremendously in being consistent. Sometimes I'm just, sometimes you, you find excuses. You have the journey, right? Some days I can just go days and weeks and months by just sticking to something. And then other times I, I make excuses and I cave and I take away from my opportunity and my potential. I don't commit all these things. And I don't like the feeling of inconsistency. It makes me very uncomfortable uh, and it'll, it'll, it'll make me feel very unresolved and I get more anxious and I, I, I find a lot of stability and consistency. I find a lot of comfort and solace in consistency. It helps me weather the storm. So as you can imagine, when I'm inconsistent, I'm a little bit all over the place. Might be a little bit too much. Now, taking it day by day and trying to eat the horse bite by bite or whatever that expression is, I'm better able to react. I'm better able to respond and weather those storms and be more consistent when I take that aim. As small as something may be, hey, Nikki, I'm going to do this tomorrow morning. I'm setting my mind to it. I'm going to take out my clothes. I'm going to prepare for the day. I'm going to meal prep. I'm going to actually plan out how I'm going to spend my time. Now, when action comes, I've already set the intention. I already see the target. Now I'm just executing to run there. I've been so much more consistent in the times where I've done that. The times where I neglect to take aim, the times where I neglect visualizing or trying to see what, what am I doing and I'm just going to be reactive or response reactive not responsive to the world that's where i struggle and i can imagine that struggle compounds you do that for long enough and you still get those experiences and opportunities long enough oh that imposter syndrome baby that bitch is a cattle a catalyst uh a visceral cycle <laughs> a vicious cycle that will will only spiral out of control uh so don't fuel the beast right Fuel your beast. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I don't know. When you take that aim, you see, you, you use your eyeballs, you set a target out, 
small or as large as it may be, you're setting the intention you're going to manifest it. I wish it were that simple. I played golf the following weekend and I had some glimmering, glimmers of hope, glimmers of success. I had a decent round and then it fully fell apart on the back nine. I guess that's just the game of life, baby. We're all trying to figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, this was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I learned a little bit about myself today. I will do a better job moving forward of accepting and taking compliments. I will do a better job moving forward of accepting responsibility for both successes and failures. Yeah, and I, I, ideally, I'm going to try and tackle and mitigate imposter syndrome so that it's not so much a syndrome, but a uh, thing of the past. Maybe there are some positive positives for imposter syndrome. I'll have to think about that. That'll be for another episode because I don't know off the top of my head. It, it doesn't seem that way. But as a takeaway, I mean, if you're struggling from imposter syndrome, if you doubt your abilities, you feel like a fraud, you feel like you stumbled through life and it's just because of luck or chance or happenstance that you've been given what you've been given, uh, I challenge you. I challenge you and I encourage you to look at yourself objectively and do three things. Write down your thoughts, including your biases and and see pros cons is this imposter syndrome is this not is this me uh and from that you should be trusting your gut and you see what will happen in writing those down those thoughts second takeaway collaborate invest in your peers bring people along the journey that is your life uh, when you get to those times where imposter syndrome could be called into question don't just rely on your bias and your perspective look to the people that were part of the journey with you uh, and it might tell the whole story as opposed to just a small view. And last but certainly not least, if you want to shoot six over, baby. <laughs> okay, it was a little, my best friend says a little Mickey Mouse course, but six over, six over on 18. But if you want to really take control of the game and really understand yourself and maximize your potential and leave everything out on the table, I mean, take that aim at something, visualize what it is, map the path to success and do your best at following that. And when you fall short or when you surpass those expectations that you set out, you'll only have yourself to blame. Why? Well, it was because of you. And I think that's what imposter syndrome is really all about. Uh, trying to Trying to see how you actually are part of the story. On that note, I appreciate y'all for tuning in and joining me on my story. But just as much, it is yours. So if you're if you if you had fun here, give it a like, comment, share. No, I don't like like. I would I'd be curious. Um, yes, obviously share and network effect by all means, but more so feedback. If you got something out of this episode, shoot me a DM, send me an email, send me a text. Always uh, keen and curious to to hear about, learn about uh, those those in this community that we're trying to build. Otherwise. This is what I'll leave you with. This is, uh, I can't remember where it was. It was something, aha, it's our boy, the one, the only David Goggins, baby. <laughs> if you haven't tuned in to David Goggins, I don't know where the hell you've been. You're under a rock. What a relentless champion. What a inspiration and role model for any and all to, to follow. He is, if you're curious, I mean, his, his second book just came out. I want to read it. But his first one, it gave a story of how he ended up where he is. 
retired Navy SEAL endurance athlete, done a tremendous amount for this world and definitely maximizing his potential to this day. And he had a lot of fucking failures. And he's he's seen and been in the lowest of lows from, I don't know, like being in a hazmat suit and his, his job and responsibility was an exterminator in like grimy restaurants to then being at the highest of high end mountains. He's seen it all. And he's failed a million and one ways in getting there. I think he he applied to go through SEALs training like three times. And if you're somewhat familiar with SEAL training, you'll know that one is enough to kill a man or woman. And you don't want to do that again. Uh, but he kept going. And he just was relentless and kept on trying. And he saw his path. He visualized and he sure as shit manifested it. And the, the the parting words, if you will, there's no such thing as a mistake or a failure. There are only attempts. Mm-hmm.